Belief is the basis of all action. Learn all about it on today's show. Listen, in business, the mindset is 90% of the battle. And 90% of having the right mindset is believing in your company, believing in yourself, believing in your ability. I want you to check out this Seizing the Summer series continuation about belief and why it's the basis for action. Hey, everybody, Weldon Long here, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Power of Consistency. Welcome to this final episode of our Seizing the Summer series here at EGIA Contract University. Today, we're going to be talking about your belief system and how your core beliefs translate into your success in life and business. Now, in the scope of my speaking and my writing, I like to keep things very, very simple. I like to ask very simple questions, kind of like this one. What does it take to create transformational sales results or transformational business results? In my experience, in many cases, the people that write books and do speaking and training, oftentimes they overcomplicate the whole process. And what I have found is that it really gets down to the simple things executed on a consistent basis. Not about the scope of the things we do, it's about the consistency with which we do them. And so I wanna talk about some simple ideas that will help us answer this question, and more importantly, help us execute on the things we have to do to create these transformational results. It all comes down to one simple thing in my, in my book, right, in my world, and that is you gotta believe, your belief system. Your belief system is so critical to your overall success. And I know we hear those kind of things and it can sound kind of uh, trite and kind of you know overused, but the truth is, it really comes down to your belief, your success in life, your success in business. It comes down to the depth and the degree of your belief, not just in yourself, but in the outcomes, the expected outcomes that you want for yourself, your family, your business, for everything, everybody around you. You have to understand that what you believe tends to manifest itself. Uh, one of my heroes and uh, uh, a gentleman that's actually endorsed my work is Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins always has said, you know, if you believe you're going to succeed, you're right. If you believe you're going to fail, you're also right. Because we're all such products of our belief system. And you're going to understand today, hopefully, that this is just a neurological reality. When I started studying this whole concept of how our thoughts and beliefs kind of uh, turn into our realities and create our, our, our results in life and our situations in life, you know, it always seemed kind of mystical, right? A little bit smoke and mirrors, you know, that type of thing. And the reality is, as you begin to study this whole concept of how our beliefs transmit themselves or transmute themselves into our realities, it's a neurological thing. And you're going to understand that today in a very simple, easy to understand way. And hopefully you will grasp the importance of thinking about what you believe. As I often say, you got to think about what you think about, right, before you think about it. Here's kind of the basic concept that we're going to talk about today. I want you to think about your belief system in your mind. I want you to imagine a highway system, an interstate highway system. And that interstate highway system represents the neural pathways in your brain, right? We all have these thinking patterns. Uh, neural pathways are, you know, kind of uh, habitual thinking patterns. And, and they're very much like the highway system in that they're permanent, right? Uh, they can be changed just like you can tear down a highway and build a new highway. Uh, essentially, they are permanent. And your thought patterns tend to be very permanent unless we change them. And then your beliefs, your thoughts, your ideas, those are the automobiles that run on the interstate highway system. So again, you got the highway system and you got the cars running down the highway system. In your brain, you've got these neural pathways and you've got your habitual beliefs that are like the automobiles running down that thing. And here's the crazy part. Isn't it true that for most of us, 
our habitual thought patterns, the traffic on our highway systems up here, tends to be pretty much the same every single day, right? We think the same things about money, about relationships, about success, about failure, about, whatever, about politics, about religion. We tend to think the same thing. So the traffic patterns are pretty much the same every single day. You got the same beliefs, the same thoughts running down the same neural pathways, right? And here's the thing. If you think back about to the kind of the highway metaphor, you know, if you follow a certain highway system, it gets you to the same place every single time. In other words, if I take a highway from Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I live, and I take Interstate 25 north to Denver, and I stay on that highway, I'm going to get to Denver every single time. I'm not going to accidentally end up in California. I'm going to go to Denver every single time. Well, it's the same way with your habitual beliefs and thoughts. You see, your beliefs and your thoughts, they get you to a particular destination every single time. And so your beliefs are going to end up in the same results every single time. They're going to get you to the same place. Now, imagine this scenario. Let's suppose I want to go to California. I want to go someplace different. Well, I can't follow the highway system to Denver and get to California. What do I have to do? I have to build a new highway system that goes to California. Well, likewise, with your thoughts, if you, you, know, if you like the direction that you're ending up, in other words, you like your business results, you like your uh, every result in your life, if you like those results, that tells you you're ending up in the place you want to end up. But if there's something you want in your life, a personal goal, right? Maybe it's running a marathon. Maybe it's a better relationship. Maybe it's a bigger business. Maybe it's more income. If you have a different destination that you want to end up at, you can't follow the existing highway of belief system because that highway of belief system, your neural pathways, that belief system, those beliefs, that traffic pattern got you to where you are today. And so if you're exactly where you want to be today, congratulations, you're one of the few that I know. But if there's something else you want to accomplish, something else you want to achieve, something else you want to have, then that's a different destination. And that requires a different belief system, a different highway of beliefs. So the question then becomes, how do I change my belief system? If I want to go somewhere new, if I want to build a better business, a better relationship, if I want to go to a new place in my life, then it's critically important that I build a new highway system of beliefs to get me there. Because again, your existing beliefs got you exactly where you are. No big surprise there. If I want to go somewhere new, I have to have a new belief system. The question becomes, how do I do that? Well, the first part of that answer, which is what we're going to deal with today, the first part is you have to understand how your brain works. How is it that my thoughts, my beliefs, how is it that those things tend to create my life? And that's a big part of understanding this, because when you understand how the brain works and how the thoughts and beliefs end up creating your life, then you're well on your way to figuring, okay, here's how I can change it if I want something new. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to give you a little background here just real quick. In 2004, I opened a little company in my living room, and it happened to be in the heating and air conditioning industry. At the time, I knew nothing about the heating and air conditioning industry, but I got a job in that industry, and I did really well at it. And that was in 2004. In 2005, I opened my own company. And in just five years, I grew that company to $20 million in revenue. And in fact, in 2009, that company was selected by Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing small companies in America, right? Now, I will tell you that the belief system that I developed, the new belief system 
that I created in my mind had a lot to do with my business success. Since that time, I've written three books. Uh, there's two of them here, and today, The Power of Consistency is kind of what we're talking about. That book is a New York Times bestseller, and it's a book about the, uh, the belief system, the thought patterns, right, the mindset that we need to have to be successful in business, any business, right, every business. Uh, the other book you see there, Consistency Selling, that's a book about the sales process. But this is the book that kind of got it all started for me. This is a little book I wrote in 2009 called The Upside of Fear. Now, this book is really the story of my life. And the book, when it came out, uh, really changed the course of my life because at the time, I didn't consider myself a writer. I was, at the time, a heating and air conditioning and uh, contractor uh, and a plumbing contractor. I had five or six companies at that time in 2009. But I wrote the book because people kept telling me I should write a book. And when the book came out, it won a bunch of awards. And it really changed the direction of my professional life because people started giving me telephone calls. It's like for this. Hey, come talk to our group. Talk to us about the mindset that changed everything for you. Now, the reason that my life story is the subject matter of this book, and it's not because of my business success. The reality is, you know, a lot of folks have had business success. A lot of people have had way more success than I have, you know. But the real reason my life story is the subject matter of this book, The Upside of Fear, is because just 18 months before I started my business, which would take us back to January of 2003. In January of 2003, I was 39 years old, and I was living in a homeless shelter. I mean, I was literally broken homeless. In fact, this image right here is the actual shelter I was living in. It's a halfway house kind of homeless shelter uh, in Colorado Springs, 3808 North Nevada. It's still there to this day. And 17 years ago, I was living there. And I would end up being there about six months before I could find a job and start turning my life around. Now, you might be asking yourself, okay, how does a guy end up in a homeless shelter, no home, no car, no furniture, no dog, no, no wife, no kids, no nothing? How does a guy, a guy end up in that situation at 39 years of seemingly reasonably intelligent guy, which I come across as pretty smart. Truth is, I got 103 IQ. My success in life is a product of hard work and focus and changing my belief system, which we'll talk more about here, obviously, which is the purpose of this conversation. But I'm in this shelter, and people often ask me, how did you end up in a shelter at 39 years old? You know, how dumb could you be? Well, for me, it was actually a step up, because I was in that shelter as a result of just having finished 13 years in the state and federal prison systems. You see, from 1987, when I was 23 years old, until 2003, when I was 39, that roughly 16, 17-year span, I spent 13 years walking prison yards. I was a ninth grade, uh, ninth grade high school dropout. I was a punk and a thug and a knucklehead who thought he knew everything and just a real menace to society, if we're going to be completely frank. And so I went to prison three times over that period for a total of 13 years. I did uh, 87. I went to prison the first time. I pulled a gun on a guy in Denver, went to the joint for about four and a half years. I got out. A year and a half later, I went back on gun and parole charges, gun charges, parole violations, Went back for a couple of years. Got out again when I was 30 years old. At 32 years old, I went back on federal money laundering and mail fraud charges. I had taken this job in this shady telemarketing outfit. It was the only job I could find. I had you know, been to prison twice before that by that point in the story. I tell people all the time I should have been suspicious when they hired me. Uh, but at 30 years old, I got this job doing telemarketing. Did that for a couple of years. 32 years old, we all go to uh, uh, federal prison. I went there for seven years, starting in 96 and getting out in 2003. But over that, you know, 15 or 16 years, basically 13 years of those walking prison yards, right? That was the story of my life, right? 13 years. In fact, this was the very first place I went to prison in 1987. It's called Territorial State Prison. They call it territorial because it's the prison Colorado built when it was still a territory. That's how old it is. 
uh, but it was a pretty scary place, but a lot of years in those kind of places, that's the bottom line. Uh, today, this is my life, right? Uh, I've had an incredible amount of success and wealth and prosperity, uh, but this is the best part of my life, right? My family, my wife and my kids. And so, you know, I, I like to juxtapose, uh, juxta, juxta, whatever that word is, juxtaposition, you know, kind of my, my life of poverty, desperation, right? Uh, ignorance and uh, just, you know, difficulty, 25 years of that. From the time I was a teenager to the time I was 39, this really crazy life. And then, you know, all these, you know, last 17 years, this crazy amount of success and wealth and prosperity and beautiful family and all these things, right? It's quite a contrast when you look at them. And the question becomes, how is it possible? How is it possible that a ninth grade high school dropout, three-time convicted felon, 13 years in the joint, how does this knucklehead walk out of prison and build a life of wealth and success and prosperity and happiness? And I think the reason that that question is kind of important is because I think there's a part of all of us that has a yearning inside to accomplish something bigger and better. Maybe it's a personal thing, as I mentioned earlier, a relationship or whatever. Maybe it's building your business or your income, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I believe that there is a certain yearning that we all have. I read a quote one time that said, far too many people go to their grave with their music still inside of them, right? And so, you know, we all have this thing we want to we we wanna do, we want to accomplish, we want to be, we want to become. You know, this, this amazing, crazy stuff, the dreams of our youth, as I often say. But here's the thing. I promise you, there's many of you watching right now, listening, and you're thinking about where you are right now, and you're thinking about that dream. And right now, that dream might seem like it's a million miles away for you. Here's what I'm here to tell you. The reason that I've been put in front of this camera, and you've been put in front of the computer or wherever you are right now, there's a reason. And the reason is that you got to know this, that the distance from where you are right now and what you want to build and what you want to accomplish, it's a thousand times closer than you realize. It seems like a long way off, but it really isn't. And I can promise you this, when you understand how I changed my life and the belief system that you can create, the belief system that I created, when you understand those things, you're going to come to know this. Whatever distance that you need to travel to go from where you are to where you want to be, I promise you, it's a fraction of the distance that I had to travel. In other words, you're probably not just getting out of prison living in a homeless shelter. You're probably not a ninth grade uh, you know, high school dropout. You're probably not a three-time convicted felon. You probably didn't go to the joint for 13 years, right? You probably got a pretty decent life. You got a good job. You got a, uh, hopefully a great relationship and a lot of things. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's pretty dang good when you compare it to perhaps my situation or other folks' situation. And then you've got this dream of where you want to go. And my point to you is the distance you have to travel, it's a fraction of the distance that I had to travel. And it's a fraction of the distance that you think it is. And the reason I'm here today to share this message with you is to, to get you to understand one point. If I can accomplish what I did, then anybody can. Certainly you can, right? That's what you got to know. The key is you just got to understand the relationship between your beliefs and your thoughts and your reality. And when you understand that relationship, you understand it neurologically, not smoke and mirrors and you know, mysticism or whatever, none of that stuff. Just when you understand the basic neurology of how your thoughts 
create your reality in life, your circumstances in life, then you're going to know how to change it, right? Emerson said, our, you know, we become what we think about all day long. But what did he mean by that? We hear these platitudes, we hear these quotes, we hear this inspiration. But what does it mean? That's what I want to talk about today, exactly what it means. It comes down to changing your belief system. You have to believe that these crazy things are going to happen. I'm going to share exactly what happened with you and how I know this to be true, and hopefully you'll understand it as well. So I want to talk to you about the day that my life changed. It was June 10th of 1996. I was in federal prison. I was 32 years old. I had already served about six years in the state system here in Colorado, and I was doing the seven years in the federal system. On June 10th of 1996, I'm in uh, the cell house, and one of the cops walks in and gives me a message to call home. And I called home knowing there was some type of emergency. And I learned that my father had unexpectedly died at 59 years old. And when my father died, when I received the news that he died, the first thought that came to my brain was that dad went to his grave with me in prison again. You know, and I, I, I realized at that point that I was a total disappointment to my father, right? He never really said that, but I, looking back, I mean, he was just trying to be polite or be nice, but there's no denying the fact I was a total loser, a total knucklehead. And I realized that my dad went to his grave knowing me that way. I always thought that, you know, somehow I'd get out of prison, get my life together and be a man my father could have been proud of. And on June 10th of 1996, I realized that was never going to happen. Right? And I started thinking about a conversation I had with my dad a couple of weeks before he passed away. We were on the phone, and my dad says to me, he says, you know, son, your life could be worse. <laughs> I said, Dad, how in the world could you say my life could be worse? I mean, I'm a ninth-grade high school dropout. I'm a three-time convicted fellow. I never had a home of my own, never had a, a family or a job or profession, none of those things. Right? Just a total loser since the time I'm a teenager. In fact, the only thing I've managed to accomplish in my life is that on one of my trips out on parole, I had fathered a son. And so when I went back to prison in 1996, my son was three years old. So I'm having this conversation with my dad. I'm like, Dad, how could my life be any worse? I'm not even a father, you know, to my own son. And my dad says to me, the words have changed my life. My dad says to me, he says, well, son, he said, you're still breathing. And as long as you're breathing, you got a shot to change your life. And I didn't understand the significance and power of those words in the moment. So we kind of exchanged our I love you's. I hung up the phone. I never spoke to my father again. That turned out to be the last thing he would ever say to me. But when he was gone two weeks later, those words resonated. At least you're breathing. And as long as you're breathing, you've got a shot to change your life. And so I decided on June 10th of 1996, with seven years left to go in prison, that I was going to become a man my father could have been proud of, and I was going to become the father that my little boy deserved. And those Two things, you know, kind of one decision, one about my dad, one about my son. And honestly, it's driven me since, you know, 24, 25 years since, since that happened. So I want to talk to you now about what I learned, because that's the real point of this entire conversation. Imagine right here I have a box. And in that box is everything I need to build a beautiful motorcycle. And piece by piece, component by component, I remove the, the, the components of the motorcycle. And as I remove the components, I build them, I assemble them, I put them together properly, right? And as I put them together properly, I look in the box at one point, and eventually I notice that the box is empty. I have successfully removed all the components and put them together properly. When I step back to admire this beautiful mechanical creation that I've assembled, what are the odds that I realize that instead of building a motorcycle out of the motorcycle parts, I accidentally instead baked a cake? 
right? You can't bake a cake out of motorcycle parts, right? If it's a motorcycle in the box, it's a motorcycle outside the box, right? You can only build, you know, that which is in the box. Well, that box is a metaphor for your mind. And your life is in your box, in your brain. And it's in there in the form of your basic beliefs and your basic thoughts and expectations. You see what happens, we all have a belief system. It all came from whatever experience you've had in your life, right? But we have this belief system, these expectations and these thoughts about money, about, about relationships, about everything in life, about business, about success, about failure, about all these things. And what happens is we all go through life, living our life, day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, and what happens every time you make a decision, your decisions are based on your beliefs. And every time you have a belief and therefore make a decision, you are metaphorically reaching in your box and pulling out a piece of your life. In other words, every decision I make about food, every decision I make about money and work, every decision I make about relationships, every time I make one of those decisions, I'm pulling out a piece of my life. In other words, let's say that you, uh, you get a, a big chunk of money. You got to make a decision. Am I going to spend this 20 grand or am I going to spend 15 grand of it and save five grand of it? You got to make a decision. And each of us probably would make a different decision, different amounts of money, different percentages, whatever, but we all make a different decision. Now, if you make the decision, right, you in that box and you pull out the decision to spend the 20 grand, you pull out a little piece of your financial future, don't you, right? If you reach in that box and you pull out the decision to save five grand of it, you pull out a different financial future. So in effect, your financial condition tomorrow, the day after, 20 years from now, it's not some random thing that just happened. It is simply the reflection of your decisions. It's simply a reflection of whatever's in your box, what beliefs, what choices are in your box. And they're all different for all of us. And we go through life making these decisions, making these choices every day, reaching in the box, pulling out a piece of our life. And then at some point, the box is empty, just like the motorcycle box. Only this time, when our box is empty, it's the end of a relationship, the end of a business, maybe the end of our life. And when you look back on your life, you look back on your relationship, your business, when you look back on those things, you're going to find that it's a perfect reflection of whatever was in your box. If a life of wealth and success and happiness and prosperity is in there, that's what you're going to pull out. Just like if it's a box of motorcycle parts, you pull out a motorcycle. If it's a box of, you know, scarcity and fear and anxiety and anger, that's all you can pull out of your box. So the question becomes, what's in your box? I mean, what are your habitual beliefs? Where'd they come from? Because everything in here about your business, about your money, about everything, about your relationships, about your life, about your happiness, about your family, everything in here is fueling your choices. And every decision you make eventually creates some external reality. And here's exactly why. This little wheel right here kind of describes the neurology of what happens in your brain, right? So the very foundation of all of it are your thoughts, your beliefs. Your belief system, your thoughts about money, relationships, every part of life, those core beliefs, those core thoughts are the foundation of everything. They're the contents of your box. And then here's what's happening neurologically, right? I'm not saying this. This is just what happens. This is scientific. 
when you have a thought, when you believe something, that sends a little impulse across your brain to a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. When the hypothalamus receives that bolt of electricity, which is your brain is basically this electromagnetic field like a little lightning storm, when the hypothalamus receives that bolt of lightning, that energy, it begins to secrete a chemical that triggers an emotion consistent with the, the thought, consistent with the belief. So let's say, for example, I have a very frightened thought. I get scared, I get angry, I get mad, right? That impulse goes into my hypothalamus. I start secreting chemicals that trigger the adrenaline, right? That trigger the epinephrine. And I have an emotion that is consistent with the frightened or the anxious thought, right? So my emotions do not happen in a vacuum. My emotions chemically, neurologically, in my brain are a reflection of my thought. Let's say I have a very happy, warm, and loving thought, right? Something, you know, makes me feel very happy, warm, and loving, right? Well, then my brain starts producing dopamine and endorphins. And my emotion is one of happiness and love and warmth, right? Again, my emotions are not some random thing. They are a chemical reaction of my thought, of my belief. So the thought triggers the emotion. The emotion then, once I feel a certain way, I take some action based on the situation. Let's say, for example, my son or my wife walked in the room right now. My thought would be, oh, there's my wife. There's, there's Hunter. There's Taryn, right? Immediately, I would have this chemical reaction of dopamine endorphins. I would be happy and loving and warm, right? And then I would take some action. Would I just ignore them? No. The natural action would be to walk over, greet them, give them a hug. And what's the result of that? I perpetuate my relationship with my wife and my son. Right, so this process in your brain happens a million times a day. Happens about food, happens about money, happens about relationships, happens about every part of your life. You have a thought about something, right? You can think about what you're going to eat. It triggers a certain emotion. That emotion triggers a certain action. That action produces a result, right? So whatever food you choose is going to produce that result. But it's a neurological cycle, round and round and round it goes, right? This is the highway system we talked about earlier, right? Over and over and over again. It plays out. Now, here's the challenge. Here's the real problem. Your thoughts and your emotions, they always drive your actions. In other words, the things you do are always a reflection of what you're feeling and what you're thinking. The things that you do, your actions, are a reflection of your emotions and your thoughts, your beliefs, even if your belief and your emotion are wrong. In other words, you can believe something that's not true, and you can produce very real emotions and very real actions on a false belief. You can believe something that's total nonsense, total dishonest, totally lie, totally made up, somebody else made it up. But if you believe it, if you think it, it drives very real emotions, very real actions, and very permanent results. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say, for example, you leave a theater. And you're walking out of the movie 11 o'clock at night. You're with your spouse and a couple of kids. You're walking across the parking lot. And suddenly some dude comes running from around the corner. He's running at you and your family. He's screaming. He's covered in blood. He's got a knife in his hand. He's coming running towards you and your family as if he intends to do some harm, right? Well, immediately your brain says, danger, 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 right? Your belief is this is a dangerous situation. Within a nanosecond, your brain is producing epinephrine and adrenaline, right? So now your emotional state is this heightened, fearful, you know, anxious emotional state. Now you got to take some action. What are you going to do? Fight or flee, right? Fight or flight, right? You got to do one or the other. Well, you decide that you can't run because you got kids with you. Your only choice is to fight the guy. So he comes in a little closer to you. You step into him. You swing. You connect. You hit him in the jaw. You drop him like a sack of potatoes. What's the result? You protected your family, right? That's just how it's supposed to work out. 
right? The thought triggered the emotion, emotion triggered the action, the action triggered the result. So far, so good. Until the police show up. When the police show up, you realize that what you believed was wrong because what you believed is that this guy was a threat to you. Well, that turned out to be completely wrong. Turned out it was a teenage kid, the knife was fake, the blood was fake, he was running across the parking lot to meet some friends for a Halloween party. You assaulted a perfectly innocent teenager because you believed you thought he was a danger. Well, despite the fact that your thought was wrong, what you believed was inaccurate, how real were the emotions you felt when he was running towards you? How real were the actions you took to protect your family? How real is his broken jaw, the result, right? It's all very real. This, is, th this should be frightening to you if you didn't already know this because so much of what you feel and what you do and what you get is the result of false beliefs. What if your belief system is that you'll never amount to nothing because somebody told you that when you were a kid? What if, like I learned when I was a kid, my dad told me rich people are crooks, right? Wealth was a bad thing. Do you believe that thought uh, drove some very negative emotions and very negative actions and very negative results around money and wealth? Absolutely it did, right? We've all known the kid who was told by their parents they'll never amount to nothing. They're stupid. They're dumb. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? You see, we have all this stuff that goes in the box in many cases when we're very young, sometimes as an adult, right? A spouse can put a bu bunch of junk in your trunk. A boss can put a bunch of junk in your trunk. By junk in your trunk, I mean false beliefs about yourself, right? People around you sometimes not realizing what they're doing. Maybe sometimes they do realize what they're doing. They don't care. They're putting all these negative beliefs in your system, in your box. You won't do this. You can't do that. You'll never succeed. And you get all this information. If you start to believe it, if it becomes your belief system, what do you suppose the emotions are going to very naturally come from that belief? They're going to be negative. They're going to be depressing. They're going to be repressive. And then those emotions are going to drive what actions? Are they going to drive positive, inspired actions? No, they're going to affect everything we do. Those emotions are going to be carried over in our actions. We're going to wear those emotions in everything we do. What are the results going to be? They're going to be less than ideal, all because of a false belief. This is why I say you have to think about what you think about. You have to think about what you believe. And you have to take responsibility for the beliefs in your brain. Because if other people are governing your beliefs, then other people are governing your emotions, your actions, and unfortunately, your results. We have to be the captain of our soul, the master of our destiny. That means being the captain of our thoughts, the master of our beliefs. You have to believe these positive things. Listen, when I recognize this stuff, it changed my life. I was sitting in a prison cell at 32 years old when my dad died. I started reading all these books and I started learning this stuff and I realized that so much of the fear and the poverty and the struggle that I was, that I was thinking about, believing this is who I am, I had these you know, horrible limiting beliefs about myself. They were creating my life of poverty and imprisonment, right? They were creating this life of desperation. So what I did is I, I sat down and I wrote out what an amazing life would be would look like. I'm an awesome father to my son. I'm wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. I'm a successful entrepreneur and writer. I had all these amazing dreams. I wrote them down and I put toothpaste in the back four corners of that sheet of paper and I stuck it on the wall of my prison cell. And every day, every morning and every night, I would read that list. I would visualize that list. Uh, that list. I would, as Napoleon Hill said, imagine myself already in possession of these amazing things. And little by little by little, what I didn't realize at the time 
is that that daily activity of reading these amazing things and, and imagining these amazing things and believing they could happen, it began to change my neural pathways. It began to create new thinking patterns. And when I created new thinking patterns, I created new emotional patterns. And when I created new emotional patterns, I created new behaviors. And new behaviors created new results. Right? Seven years later, I walk out of the joint. I'm in a completely different mind frame. I believe amazing things are going to happen. I believe incredible things are going to happen in my life. And that began to fuel all these positive emotions and positive behaviors and positive results. That's why you have to be in charge of what you believe. You can't just have this random set of, of interstate highway systems that govern your thoughts. You have to be in charge of that. You have to design and build the infrastructure, the thought processes yourself. You can't be going through life with ideas in your box that somebody else put in there. Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe a parent, maybe a sibling. Who knows? Who cares? Maybe a boss. Doesn't matter. You can't let other people put their belief system in your box because their belief system will become your belief system. Moreover, it will become your destiny because it fuels your emotions, your actions, and your results. You have to make sure your belief system is the product of your creation. It has to be the product of your, your, your dreams, the products of your desires. So how do we do that? Well, it's very, very simple, right? It's, it's the name of a book I wrote, The Upside of Fear. And it's a very simple process. Number one, you got to get focused. You got to decide, what do I want? There's three main areas of your life, your money, your relationships, and your health. What do you want in those three areas, right? By the way, if you want to take a deep dive on this, uh, you can order The Power of Consistency. It's readily available on audio and uh, electronic and book, whatever, on Amazon. And it'll take you on a deep dive in this. But in our limited time, I just want to give you the overview. You got to get focused. You got to decide, first of all, what you want, right? Then you got to decide... What do you got to do to get what you want? So if you have a certain income that you want, a certain size business, well, you have to decide what, have I, what do I have to do to get that? Now, the key here is you got to keep it simple. There's probably a thousand things you ultimately will have to do to earn that income. The key is to identify what one or two things, two, one or two easy, simple things do I need to do every single day to hit that goal, right? So let's look at a real life example of how this uh, can affect you in your, in your HVAC business. Let's suppose, for example, you decide that you want to, to sell, you know, 200 grand a month of HVAC systems, right? So that's the thing you're going to get focused on. I want to sell 200 grand a month. The next thing you have to do is you got to ask yourself, okay, what do I need to do every single day to be able to do that? You want to keep it simple. Just identify one or two activities that if you did every single day would end up leading to that 200 grand, right, in sales. So maybe that's going to be running every call with passion and purpose. Maybe it's becoming a better communicator, a better listener. Right, so maybe it includes, okay, I'm gonna study uh, something on the EGI platform for half an hour a day, right? I'm gonna role play for one hour a week, whatever it is. You gotta figure out what are the specific activities that are gonna drive those results, right? Once you identify what those activities are, you simply write down, I sell $200,000 per month of HVAC systems, and beneath that, you write down what are the one or two things you gotta do every single day. I study sales for 30 minutes a day. I role play one hour a week, right? Uh, whatever it is you have to do, you got to write down what those things are. Then the next step is you got to be deeply emotionally committed to that process. How do you do that? Well, it's very, very simple. You simply write those things down like I talked about, and then you have to review them every single day. So every day when you get up, read those HVAC sales goals. 
read and visualize the activities that you need to engage in to reach those goals, right? And what's going to happen as you do this, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're taking that 200 grand a month and you're putting that in your box. You're also changing and recreating the highway system that's going to lead you to that new destination, right? If you're selling 100 grand a month right now, that's a reflection of your core beliefs. Your core beliefs and thoughts are getting you to the destination of 100 grand a month. If I want to go to a different destination, 200 grand, guess what? I got to have a separate set of beliefs. So you got to start creating that system by reviewing what you want and what you're going to do to get it every single day. You're going to recreate the new highway system of beliefs. So you're filling your box up with these new expectations and you're changing your habitual thoughts. You're changing your habitual beliefs, right? That's the first two steps, right? Focus and emotional commitment. Then you got to take action, right? This is the beautiful part. Even as you know, Will Rogers said, even if you're on the right path in life, you'll get run over if you just sit there. You have to take consistent action towards the things that you said you need to do. But here's the best part. Human nature will help you a lot because of something called cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is the anxiety you feel when you tell yourself you're going to do something and then you don't do it. So if you get up every single morning and you, you know, you're reviewing your dreams, right? I sell 200 grand a month. I run every call with passion and purpose. Uh, I diagnose problems or recommend solutions like a boss. I study sales 30 minutes a day. I role play one hour a week, right? Whatever those things are, you visualize yourself doing. And then if you don't do them at the end of your week or at the end of your day, you're going to feel anxiety. You're going to feel cognitive dissonance because you told yourself in the morning that you're going to do those things. And you can't go through life telling yourself you're going to do one thing and then not doing it. So if you tell yourself every morning you're going to study and role play and learn and run every call of passion and purpose, eventually you have to start doing those things. As long as you keep reviewing the plan, eventually you will start driving those behaviors because you can't tell yourself you're going to do it and never do it. As long as you stay with the process of reviewing it every day, eventually you'll start driving those behaviors. When you start driving those behaviors, I guarantee you're going to see the results because you can't do the right things and accidentally produce the wrong results. The key is you got to review what you want and what you got to do every single day get deeply emotionally committed to it, and then let Mother Nature, through that dissonance process, start driving those behaviors. The final step, R, responsibility. This is a real simple concept. Your success in life depends on your decisions about your problems, right? Most people think their life is a reflection of their problems. The truth is, your life is a reflection of the decisions that you make about your problems. You make better decisions, you're going to have better outcomes, right? You got to be the master of your soul, the captain of your own destiny, right? So get focused, figure out what you want, what you got to do, emotionally committed, write it out, review it uh, in the morning and, and in the evening every day, and visualize yourself doing those things. Action, let Mother Nature start driving those actions through cognitive dissonance, and accept responsibility for your life and understand your decisions determine your outcomes, not your problems. That, my friends, is the essence of the upside of fear. I remember the first thing I had on my list uh, when I did this in 1996 was I'm an awesome father to my son. I would visualize it every single day. Years later, I get out of prison. My son is 10 years old, and I got custody of him when he was 10, and I raised him. He was with me every day until he went off to college when he was 18. And I'll never forget when my son uh, went to college, we're uh, at the dorm where he's going to be living, and it hits me. Like, this is like a major, major thing, right, that my son is going off to college. And I give my son this big hug, and uh, and I told him, I said, son, my greatest dream for you is that one day you will have a son that you love in the way that I love you, because it'll be the only way you ever know how much I love you and how much you mean to me. And he didn't really get it. 
So I kind of stepped back and I put my hands on his shoulders and I said, son, I said, words cannot even describe how much I love you and how proud I am of the man that you've become. And my 18-year-old son looks at me dead in the eye. He reaches up and he takes my hands off his shoulders and puts them down by my side. And he puts his hands on my shoulders. And my 18-year-old son gives me this little shake and leans into me. He goes, no, dad, I'm proud of the man you finally became. Right? And that moment with my son was beyond sublime, beyond perfection. But the thing that was most amazing about that moment with my son is the way that it felt was the way it felt 15 years earlier when I was pretending it alone in a prison cell, right? Because every day when I would imagine this, I would, uh, like Napoleon Hill said, imagine myself already in possession of these amazing things, right? I would imagine myself in possession of that. And then 15 years later, it actually happened and it felt the same way. That's the degree to which you have to get emotionally connected to your dreams, right? Whether that's a dream, is a financial dream, a business dream, a personal dream, doesn't matter. You got to get emotionally connected. So focus, figure out what do I want? What have I got to do? Emotional commitment. You got to write it down and review it a couple of times a day. The next step, A, action, right? As Will Rogers said, that even if you're on the right path in life, you run over if you, get, if you just sit there. You got to take consistent action. That means you got to pick up the phone every single day and you got to make those 10 calls, right? Or whatever the behaviors are that will drive the results. Now, here's a huge advantage of this, by the way. When you think about the action, you got to think about something called cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is the anxiety that we feel when we, when we don't do something we said we would do, right? And so imagine you get up every day, you're reviewing your plan, you're having your coffee, and, you know, I, get, I have 10 new listings every month. I make 10 new cold calls every day. You visualize those outcomes. You visualize yourself making those calls. And then you go out in the course of your day, you don't make the 10 calls. Guess what you're going to feel? Cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is the anxiety between what you said you would do and what you do, right? Well, the body doesn't like dissonance, so what do we do? We got to get rid of it. How do you get rid of it? You got to do the thing you said you would do. So if you continue on this path, it's what I call a quiet time ritual, right? When you're reviewing your plan every single morning, eventually, if you continue to do that, you'll start driving those behaviors because you can't tell yourself every morning you're going to do one thing and then go out there and do something else every single day. Right? It just doesn't work that way. So drive your behaviors by reviewing your plan every single day. Eventually, you will begin doing the thing, right? The last step, our responsibility. That's a very simple concept. Listen, everybody in life has problems. Everybody has challenges, personal problems, financial problems, health problems, relationship challenges. We all have them. But the reality is your outcomes in life are not the result of your problems. Your outcomes in life are a reflection of the decisions that you make about your problems. And those decisions, where do they come from? They come from your box. That's why you have to make sure whatever is in your box is what you put in there this morning in your quiet time ritual and not something somebody else put in there 10 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever the case is, right? You got to make sure the contents of your box, your core belief system, your, your, your fundamental thoughts, you have to make sure those are consistent with what you want today as an adult, and you have to make sure that you put them in there. Somebody else didn't just, you know, drop them in there because they didn't, you know, know the damage they might cause 30 years later. It's crazy the ideas people will put in your box, right? People that love you will put bad ideas in your box, low expectations, right? You got to take some inventory on this, and you got to make sure what's in there is consistent with what you want today. I want to share with you one more story that I think really illustrates this entire, uh, entire process. 
So one of the things that I remember reading years ago was a book called The Answer written by a guy named John Asheraf. Fantastic book. And in that book, John Asheraf talks about how he was unpacking, the, they had just moved to this beautiful home in San Diego on this bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And his son, who was five or six or seven years old, was unpacking one of the boxes and pulled out a picture and said, uh, it was a magazine cover, and said, look, Dad, here's our house. And John looked at it, and it was the exact house that they had just moved into. It was the, the cover of a real, a, real estate, a real estate magazine, right? And so he's looking at that picture. He's like, what the you know, heck is going on here? And then he remembered, five years earlier, he had seen this uh, real estate magazine with this particular house on the cover, and he fell in love with it. He kind of ripped out the page and put it on a dream board. It eventually got put in one of these boxes and been in storage for years. And now they were unpacking it, and it was the exact same house that he had envisioned five years earlier, right? The power of intention. Dr. Stephen Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits, was a dear friend of mine and a mentor. And Dr. Covey used to, used to call it the conscious and unconscious serendipity of the universe, right? There's something powerful about when you believe something and you set your intention to it. And I remember when I read that in that book, I'm like, wow, that's hard to believe. And then I had this crazy experience recently I want to share with you that's kind of, kind of along those same lines. So I happen to be a car guy, right? I am a car nut. I, I love ni nice cars. And about two years ago in 2018, I was watching a video on uh, the internet, and it was Floyd Mayweather, the, the boxer. And he had just purchased this beautiful uh, G550 uh, G-Wagon squared, beautiful Mercedes G-Wagon. It's a very special edition. They made only 300 of them in 2018, right? It's a foot and a half taller and a foot wider than the regular G-Wagon. And I want to share with you real quick this video uh, I'll just let it run in the background. This is the actual video that I saw on YouTube. So that's the G-Wagon I saw in 2018. I saw that. I'm like, dang, that's a, that's a beautiful car. I want to get one of those. I put it on my bucket list. So I went and got this picture off the Internet, which is identical to the one that Floyd Mayweather had in the video. And you can see the date there is November, November 5th, 20, 2018. So I took that picture. I put it on a little dream board I keep on my phone, just bucket list things and that type of thing, right? But I put it in the box. And then I let the conscious and unconscious serendipity of the universe take over. A year goes by, a year and a half goes by. I get a call from an, a, a car broker that I purchased some other cars from. And he calls me up. He's in San Diego. He says, hey, man, I got a G-Wagon squared, perfect condition, 2018, just like the one you want. Flat black, uh, a black mat, you know, just the exact same car that you wanted. So we worked out the deals. I bought the car. I fly out to San Diego, and I drive it home. I get the car home. And here it is in my backyard right here in my back driveway, right? And then about two weeks later, I get the title work from the broker. And I get the title work, I open it up, and this is what I see. The owner, the previous owner was Mayweather Promotions. It was the exact same vehicle I had seen on the internet a year and a half. It wasn't just like Floyd Mayweather's. It was the exact same vehicle I had seen. And when this happened to me, I'm like, man, this is like, this is like the John Asheraf story. My point is this, folks, there is a ton of power, a ton of energy in positive beliefs and expectations. But the key is you got to give your mind, your subconscious mind, your brain, you got to give it the instructions because it will go out and find the resources, the people, the opportunities, everything you need to make every dream come true. You got to get focused, figure out what you want, figure out what you got to do. You got to write those things down, get deeply emotionally connected, review them every single day, take consistent action. And then, of course, accept responsibility for your results because your results in life are a reflection of your decisions 
not your problems. One of my favorite quotes is from Henry David Thoreau. And Thoreau said, advance confidently in the direction of your dreams. Endeavor to live a life that you have imagined and you will meet with success unexpected in common hours. And folks, I think that's more than just a bunch of fancy words. I think it's a promise. Advance confidently in the direction of your dreams. Endeavor to live a life that you have imagined, and you too will meet with success unexpected in common hours. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you found this information useful. I hope you found some content there that can make a difference in your life, in your business. I look forward to seeing you all again real soon. In the meantime, have a great rest of your week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now. Awesome content right there, as always, from our Seizing the Summer series. Now listen, if you like the content and you're not a member, you can get full access to the series right now. All you got to do is fill out the form on this page. This is powerful content that you can implement all summer long to maximize your profits and get ready for the dreaded slow season this fall. Well, that's it for today, folks. We'll see you again very soon. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.